You're listening to Citizen Reporter number 476 for the 14th of February, 2015. Everyone, welcome to another edition of Citizen Reporter. I'm your host, Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, and this podcast has, over the course of more than a decade, been about underreported news at times. It's also been about life and uh, the evolution of this thing that we do, creating content, uh, trying to impact the world. Usually those things might not be the same, but they're related. And as you surely have come to know, if you've been listening to this program, there are, of course, many podcasters that started around the same time that I did back in 2004. There are not many left still producing, but they're out there. And one of my absolute favorites is Yeast Radio, hosted by the great Madge Weinstein. Now, Madge Weinstein is a, uh, dare I say it, fictional character, although really uh, it's never been very fictional to me, but the producer and creator and uh, the, the alter ego, perhaps, of Madge Weinstein is, in fact, my friend Richard Bluestein. And today on the program, I'm really excited to have him back. We do this every now and then, uh, especially once a year, we try to do this, and we talk podcasting, we talk life, but we talk, and I really enjoy that. That's one of the sort of magical simplicities of podcasting. So let's get right to it. We're going to talk to Richard, who's over there in the United States, and uh, stay tuned. It's a long one, because why not? Conversations sometimes can be long. It's not all 30 minutes and 15 minutes. Let's go long today with Richard Bluestein. Yes. Hello. So let's do a Grumma uh, style. Hello. Um, what's funny is, uh, you know, Tim Pritlove in, in Berlin. Yeah. I I have, we have uh, always called it a Grum sort of, we, we follow your tradition and and mm-hmm. it's just funny because he doesn't use any other magisms, but Grum always comes through. Well, it's very German sounding. Grum. Grum. Eine Grum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hi, Richard. How are you? Good. I'm good. Yeah. And you? I am okay. I'm, I, I struggle to do programs, at least this program. I want to do it. I record as I walk around town now, and then I listen to what I recorded, and I go, oh. no. Oh, no, no, that's a mistake. No, that's yeah. when it's the stuff that you most think you shouldn't yeah. post, that's what you should post. Yeah, I mean, I've gathered that from your work and, and other podcasters over the years, but somehow I, I listen to what I actually, what bugs me more and you could enjoy this is that maybe it's because it's cold, but it's possible that I'm not totally in shape. And I listen to myself. Uh, yes. Oh. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't put that out. Yeah. That sucks. Um, yeah. But I think it's because I'm talking. Cause if, if you and I were to walk down the street right now, I would not be interrupted by breathing and you wouldn't notice because we'd be taking turns. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm just saying, I don't think it's that I'm in horrible shape. I think, you know, the <laughs> thing is, human beings breathe. So yeah. I think it's okay. Good. All right. It doesn't look bad or... I just don't want to deal with reality that I might not be whoever I was 10 years ago. 
I'm just too lazy to podcast. Excuse me. <laughs> I know you said I'm not going to be a match, but I had to clear my throat. It's in there somewhere. Um, I, I went through a, a whole evening. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I mean, you're way ahead of me because I, I don't have it in me to even record anything. I'm just not. I'm just putting it off until I have my own house again, but uh, which mm. is soon. But yeah. I just don't, you know, it's just like, ugh. Like, I just feel like everything, there's so much more to me that is private now, and I don't feel the same mm. need to sort of express everything that, in some ways, yeah. I've gone, like, a full 180, and I just, like, is is out as I was about everything in my life. I, like, all, I'm, that, like, I'm way, I used to be much more public about everything than most people. Now I think I'm more private, mm. so it's weird. Was Is that, like, a reaction to what happened when you were that way for so long? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because it gives people like, people think they have the authority to judge you. And I always get so much feedback from audience and comments and what's saying, you know, but this is, you know, you're, you shouldn't do that magic. I'm worried about you because you're sleeping all day or why are you doing this? Or why is your room such a mess? Or why? You do? It's like, <laughs> you don't understand. It's kind of like, I'm just talking and that, it's not for you to judge. I mean, if you want to laugh, yeah. that's fine. But I don't want to hear your feedback because I don't have the same. You have something on me that I don't have on you. You have the ability to see my life. I don't have that for you. So you're. It's we're not on a level playing field. It's here. one way. Yeah. 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 And I'm just kind of over it. Yeah. yeah, I think social media has also contributed to this this sentiment. Like, I think you and I both like ten years ago we would. We liked being early adopters of stuff. Right. You always made fun of yourself as an early adopter, an Apple tester, and so on. Mm -hmm. But even like Twitter, when when Twitter first came around, we were like, "Yeah, let's let's do stuff on there." We criticized it, but we also used it. And I think that we were willing back then to put a lot out because we thought that the reward, the return, would be would be something really special and great. And okay, we've gotten some stuff out of sharing. We we get close with people we're not near. Mm -hmm. But I think by the same hand, you look at all the energy you spent and you, you do ask yourself, what have I got? You know, like, right. I don't know. It almost seems bitter when I say that. And, and I'm not because because I realize there are things we've gotten. They're not. It's not monetary. It's the other stuff. Right. It's the friendships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but at some point it's I don't know. It's like just giving everything away. I mean, this goes back to the whole sharing economy right. thing and it. And ironically, a lot of us who were champions of it in the beginning, uh, you know, because I think we were very in favor of it. I'm putting you and me in there. Yeah. Um, I think now we look at it and we go, yeah, we weren't quite right about what we were doing. Or, or I don't know, we see it better now. Well, I think the way I see it is this. We were, we were doing things <clears throat> very right. And, you know, in many ways we were, you know... Uh, saw the saw what was coming before you know most everyone else did. The problem is you and I and many like us are not capitalists. Let's face it. I mean, I'm not talking about politically. I'm talking about mm -hmm. in terms of how we are not money driven people. I certainly am not. No. And no. I mean, I certainly like to spend it. I just can't seem to <laughs> earn it because I don't drive that way. The problem is though, we did a lot. The video blogging community, the podcasters, you and I specifically have done things that a lot of major media has has grabbed onto, we get nothing 
for what yeah. basically we created this whole, like your whole thing with citizen journalism and a lot of this yeah. shit that I do that's, you know, now, f you know, fat people on reality TV is common, you know, just so yeah. much of what we've done has become mainstream. And not just that, but it's completely reshaping, in my opinion. I don't think I'm being too grandiose the way the whole way politics work and everything, you know, yeah. and it's it's just watching everybody get credit and being mm -hmm. able to not just make a living, but make millions if not billions of dollars off of these ideas but the system is such that people like us who who really started it don't even make any money i can give you a perfect example so i worked mm. for adam curry and pod show <laughs> you know for a while um i was given a hundred thousand shares in that company right wow. as a founding member there were like you know five or six podcasts including don andrew myself some others yeah. I got a hundred thousand shares. That company was sold twice, it be, or not sold, but it changed hands tw or changed names twice. Became Mevio, sure. then it became Bite Size TV. Bite Size TV was just <laughs> bought out by a humongous company and got a letter from their uh, controller because they had to transfer my four hundred one k. They were bought out by a huge company. I don't know the name of it. I don't remember, but it's you know it, it's one of the huge, huge media conglomerate types. And when I yep. just to give you an idea of how big it is, when I was at the movie uh, the other day, I was going to see American Snipered. And during those little, you know, those previews at the beginning, you know, when they show like bullshit interviews with celebrities, the logo right. said Bite Size TV, right? In the corner. Mm -hmm. So they're producing things that are pretty big, apparently teasers on, on, you know, in movie theaters. So what is my, so I think I asked a reasonable question. I said, so what are my shares worth? Right. Nothing. Zero. Because the, according to uh, the, uh, the controller, that the type of shares I have had common stock are not worth anything in that transaction. So that's wow. shitty, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, real shitty. I would assume that if you have stock in a company, it gets bought or changed into another company. Yeah. You also have stock in that next company and it carries on. You would think. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you basically have, I, I mean, I don't know if what was done was legal or not. I haven't, I haven't, um, investigated that yet, but, um, whether it's legal or not, it's fucking unethical as hell. Right. You know, and just the way people like, you know, Ron Bloom, the CEO of, of whatever that company is, you know, <laughs> has acted yeah. is just like obscene, you know, just, and, and it's emblematic of the whole industry of, of, of I don't want to say entertainment. It's beyond that. It's media. It's everything. It's just all industry that's more than like fifty people. Hmm. I mean, at the same time, it does work. I mean, we have nice things like uh, like what? Uh, like a, well, <laughs> I have a chair that I'm sitting on. I've got a microphone. Oh, that's right. That's right. I've got a basement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I was having this or trying this exercise um, in, in thinking or critical thinking. And you've heard this stuff before, but I was like, you know, what would I have said to myself as advice 10 years ago or five years? Well, probably 10 years ago mm -hmm. with, with as I started podcasting. And I knew I wanted to make this somehow the thing that I can do with most of my time because I like it so much. Um, it just, you know, it was a matter of surviving. Right. And the, the, the only advice I had to myself... And I probably should have improved on it by now, but I've still got the same thing. It's um, your what you do is worth more than what you realize or or 
don't do everything assuming that karma will repay you and mm. karma will will pay your rent in, in other words value yeah. what you do and and insist on getting value for it but that's really easy to say because <laughs> back then it seemed so impossible well it's basically you're saying be capitalistic yourself <laughs> yeah but and not, that's not who you right. are it's like saying be straight if you're gay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i think true yeah uh, i mean yeah. maybe that's a bit but strange. but i have become better because i'm older and i see this in you mm. uh, although i realize you're a young man but um mm. where now i look at things and i go like i spent a lot of time I mean, your your father is sick. Uh, mm. I've spent a lot of time with my grandparents um, as they go through sicknesses. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I look around at how they afford to live as retired people, my grandparents being much older uh, or having been, now my grandfather is gone. And I just started to realize after that experience, in case other experiences hadn't done it for me, wow, when you're old, it's, if you don't have some kind of savings or some kind of pension, you're you're lost you know it's mm. it's a cruel world no matter where you live it's a fairly cruel world um so all of a sudden this thing starts to matter to me having not just enough to survive today but putting something in the bank if possible <laughs> never mind if banks are corrupt and all that um but having something for the future and even yes i've got this open tab on my screen for weeks now but i'm looking at pension plans for freelancers because i'm trying to figure out because i realize it's not that far away uh, assuming I somehow survive, um, yeah. you know, uh, I'm 35, you know, it's, um, when else am I going to figure these things out later? Like then it's too late. It's, it's, um, so I don't know. It's just suddenly like realizing how short life is or how easily you can fall into shit. Um, if, if you, I think if you don't start to think about these things, I don't, I don't know. So all of a sudden it's not that I'm a capitalist, but I am, uh, <laughs> more demanding yeah well you're seeing the need to save which is not what capitalists want you to do anyway so yeah wouldn't exactly always... call it capitalism but yeah, yeah you i mean you can't start saving for retirement early enough i mean there's no right you, there, yeah and the earlier like you do it the you know exponentially more benefit you have the problem though i have with that is that because you know, when I was a kid, like you could actually earn interest off of <laughs> savings accounts. I mean, what a novelty. I mean, the bank used to pay you to to borrow your yeah. money and now it doesn't really work that way. No. So um <laughs> so it's like um so you know, I had my money pre two thousand eight and a lot of you know, stocks and bonds, that sort of thing. And and then the wow. investments did okay, but and fortunately, because I listened to Max Kaiser, I took my money out of those things before the crash. So mm -hmm. I didn't lose money because of it. But I've been but they've been basically stagnant since then because I've been afraid to put them back into the market. But, you know, and it's yeah. like and there's no way to retire that way. You can't. Your money won't grow at all. And the only way to earn interest in this economy is by investing it in things that are very risky which is everything in my opinion, mm. you know, because you don't know when the market's going to turn into a pickle again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just, it's like, it's not fair. You know, it used to be like, okay, if you are, let's say a millionaire, they used to say, if you're a millionaire, you'll be able to live off the interest. Well, no, yeah. not anymore. I mean, you can, if you're willing to take huge risks for that interest, but yeah. you can't just stick in the bank and earn. Oh, anyway.
Yeah. Whatever. I don't remember the point here. <laughs> no, it's the idea that you can um, just save and retire. That's not even good enough, even if you do manage to save, which is hard enough. No, you have to be activists and try and change the system because it's so fucked right now. <laughs> you yeah. really do. I don't know how else. It's the only way to survive. And yeah. family, really. I mean, that's really what, what it comes down to is you have to have a family unit, an extended family that you're able to, to help each other, I think. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, that's how I was able to survive for these past three years. I mean, I've been living in my sister's house. You right, know, I'm right, going to have right. a two-bedroom condo in my next place. I'm sure somebody from my family will be living there at some point. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Just... That's, a, that's an interesting point, especially living in these cities. I mean, you lived, before you lived in your sister's place, you lived in Chicago. Um, and Yeah. Well, and, I still am. I mean, that's where she is. So yeah. Right. But... But what I was going to get at is um, we live in city. I live in a city where a lot of people don't have their family nearby and we kind of operate like that's all right or we'll figure it out. But it, like when you say that, I do realize mm -hmm. like we lose out on we always think about like, oh, if you have a child then who takes care of it or if you're sick. But what about like just help in a in a financial emergency or a yeah. or a Yeah. That's how much harder. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm questioning. So, so next topic. I'm questioning the whole living in cities thing. Okay. I honestly am. Uh, I, I mean, I love this city. It's shaped my adulthood. Although I don't think it was like the Dutch who did it. It was just my community, right? And 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 I think that's always how it happens. Whether you live in a small town or a big city, you end up carving out your little. Well, the small town you've definitely got your mm -hmm. little community, but in a big city, you do. But I'm wondering, like, for the amount that we pay in. For, for what's required, like a New York City, uh, paying the rent, you know, surviving. Yeah. Is it worth it? Or isn't it like kind of a mistake? I'm, I'm so into I know it's an old idea, but I'm so fascinated by, and I even did a short series on it. I should really revisit it with people who dropped out of cities and bought farmhouses wherever, usually in the U.S., some in Portugal, and, um, and just changed their lives and reduced the amount that's required to live. Um, and dealt with, you know, okay, not having as much in terms of like constant stimulation outside or, but I start to wonder, like, maybe there's much more to that than we realize. I don't know. Um, yeah. Do I need a city to survive? Do we need cities as much as we need? I mean, we you read about, I'm teaching like in this, in this fancy pants school for rich kids and uh, I'm teaching about urbanization. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look around anywhere in the world, and one of the biggest trends, of course, is people moving to cities. It's been going on for 50 years or 100 years, but it's crazy. It's bad for our Earth, um, and it doesn't even work out for a lot of people that move to the cities. Why, but we keep why doing is it, it bad for Earth? Uh, yeah, okay, maybe I went too far, but um, it's generally bad for the Earth because... Um, well, in the area of the cities, that's a lot of strain on a, on a, on resources, on the actual land, although a lot of this land obviously is already paved over and lost. But these cities, of course, expand um, and you get less and less nature. You get more and more of this sort of urban environment. Um, that's my initial why it's bad for Earth. Um, See, because I kind of think the opposite. Like, I always thought, like, if you live in the city, you're using less transportation. You're using more public transportation, which yeah. makes for a lot less fuel and... Uh, yeah. fuel costs yeah. and stuff. I take that point. I do. Uh, I think what I was thinking right now was um, rural versus urban, but I forgot 
suburban, well, <laughs> which is huge. It sounds like you're at a point where you just might person. I mean, it just might be a personal thing for you. I think it sounds like. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I wonder about a lot of us. Like we come. Like I always met people who came to New York City in search of whatever it is that was missing from their lives. Yeah. And they went through hell to pay the rent right. and make sure they're at all the right parties and events. And then at the end, some of them are happy, but some I'm going, you don't seem happy. You know, life in the city didn't, didn't fix what, what wasn't working for you or, or didn't bring you the, the, the joy that you thought. Um, I don't know. I just wonder about it. I think it's cause I, I now have a very high rent <laughs> uh-huh. and I'm like, what are we doing? You know, what, what well, are we- I'm going from city to not certainly not rural, but for me it's almost rural cause it's, you know, like Fort Lauderdale, but it's, it's a basically a community where I have to have a car. And the thing is like, yeah, the rent or the housing cost is cheaper, but now I have to have a car, which means now I have to have a car. I have to have a car payment. I have to have insurance and I have to like pay gas. I mean, that's, that's a lot, you know, Yeah. when you're in the city, you don't need any of that. And I mean, it's, it, if you'd play with the numbers, it's not as big a difference as you might think it might even be the same yeah. for all I know. So yeah. I'll know. keep that in mind. Yeah. I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it now. I just wonder about it generally. Um, you know, my family has property. There's even a mm. house that my grandparents built and it's just, it's pretty much sitting there. I mean, we go visit, we clean up, we invite people to stay there. Sometimes they do, but it seems like, um, I don't know, an easier life, but that could be a bad assumption. I do have a friend who just did the whole leaving of Amsterdam thing and bought a, like a big farm piece of farmland in Portugal and turns out it's a money pit. You know, it's, yeah. it's at, at first you're like, oh, everything's cheap here. And then it's the constant need for repairs and doing things. And then all of a sudden your money's kind of slipping away. Oh my God. I used to own a house a long time ago. That was a money pit. Everything goes into that fucking house. Jesus. Yeah. yeah I guess I should keep that in mind. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, so uh, th- these are things that are sort of on the horizon. I don't know. But it's still it's still fun to live in Amsterdam. It's still... Uh, I still love riding my bike and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the little things, you know, I don't really get out of my neighborhood that much. <laughs> um, and that, and that's kind of fine with me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of torn. Like I like Chicago. I wouldn't probably, you know, it. I wouldn't have just moved to Florida if it wasn't for my parents, but I hate the winter. It's, and now I've been most, most of this winter I've been in Florida and I've done that before, but this time I've been going back and forth. And now I'm in Chicago, and it's just fucking awful to come to Chicago after you've been in. It's like 70 degrees, 10 degrees, 80 degrees, 15 degrees. And it's like I was walking around the other day, and I felt like my I could feel every bone in my foot hurt. You know, like, I, it's just like, I, you don't have that chance to get used to it gradually. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm on a plane, and now, I'm, now my bones are creaking. It's just like torture. You know, hmm. I don't so know. So you want to live a warmer life? I don't know. I don't know if I do. It's kind of too easy in a way. Maybe it's too early. I feel like I'm getting too lazy too early, but I don't give a sh. I don't give a shit, I guess. Hmm. It's nice, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Can but I just so, change my mind? That's, well, well, right. I guess you could rent out whatever you have in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can get into the Airbnb game. No. Uh, <laughs> No. No. Oh, because there's like tenants association or something. Yeah, I think that's kind of. Yeah, I don't. Most most nicer places don't allow that. 
Like you can buy a place in South Beach, you know, and like basically what used to be a crack house, you can spend 150 grand for a 500 square foot studio near the beach and it's a dump. And the only reason why people do it is because they can rent it out on Airbnb. But most places you can't, you know, the tent, the kind of associations don't let you do that because nobody wants to be next to like vacationing, you know, spring breakers. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I mean, here's another one where, I don't know if we saw this coming, but, um, you know, Airbnb is so common mm-hmm. here now and I guess in every city. Um, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of work in Berlin for, uh, with this whole podcast project. Mm-hmm. And so I stay, I stay in, um, probably the area where you used to stay, where, um, uh, your friend seven, uh, lived in Neukölln. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's one of the, you know, up and coming neighborhoods, gentrification sort of. So for some reason, well, maybe to earn money, uh, there's a lot of Airbnbs and you can, you can feel it, but what's even more interesting is just the way people talk about it. Like, oh, I don't know, you know, those people over there, I don't know, it's always Airbnb and, and neighbors who don't talk to neighbors because they just figure, oh yeah, you're just a visitor mm. or, and a lot of times you are. And uh, governments are sitting around going like, uh, all right, we got to limit this. We got to find some way. Um, and at first it's like a matter of just your personal rights as a property owner. Like, oh, hey, it's my apartment. I can I can rent it to who I want. But it really does make a difference in city life. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't feel that great. I mean, some people are really nice, obviously, but still they're temporary. They're, they look at everything in such a, a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, a, a good idea with some justification, but the long-term impact actually harms us uh, collectively. I don't know. I, I, I'm well, lumping it I, in with I a sharing know. economy. I mean, I don't know if it, I mean, it definitely changes things quite a bit. But I don't know if it's one of the things that's going to change that's inevitable and we just have to accept it, kind of like the Internet changed privacy, or if it's just kind of like something we should fight against. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. I haven't really yeah. personally had to experience it like you have. I mean, I don't really live in places where it's that big a deal. Yeah. So I haven't seen it. But Amsterdam's always been crazy with tourists. I mean, it's always been these fucking... Because you have all the drug tourists, and they're always there just, like, so misbehaved and just fiending for drugs and vomiting from their first, (laughs) you know, mushroom trip and drinking beer. I mean, it's just endless. Yeah. It's just the the level of stupid things that Mm -hmm. happen... Is uh, is odd. I mean, it's not like crazy, raging destruction. It's just this quiet, lazy, careless kind of, uh, yeah, destruction. It's, it's, it's kids, you know, finding themselves in Amsterdam. Yeah. That's like what yeah. they do. Yeah. It's what kids do. They find themselves in Amsterdam or they lose themselves, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. And it's all like, it's all not real. This place can't be real. So whatever you do here, oh, well. Right. You know, <laughs> exactly. it's not a real place. Certainly not real, except for the Apple store. That's real. That is amazing how many people are employed there, just standing around. Number one employer in the Netherlands must be the Apple store in Amsterdam. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I don't... And you go in there, nobody can help you, but they can all talk to you for a second. Yeah. And, uh, just zero answers. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think that so, was the last... Wasn't it the last time I actually saw you in person? Was at the Apple store the day it opened there in Amsterdam? <laughs> that's right. And you... That's right. We were at the Apple store. Yeah. Were you not staying at my house? <laughs> I think I was actually. Yeah. But yet I was busy. Yeah. 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 So what is your, you have a new place now, right? Yeah. The, so I, I lived in that collective house for yeah. all those years, but, but one housemate, uh, the dominant one, um, <laughs> just went crazy. Oh, no. Um, 
was convinced and actually I've been maybe I need to do you know interviews but as we say I don't podcast as much for for this program but um I've heard that this happens a lot in so-called cooperative or collective communities um you know she started to look at us everyone who lived there with, most of us had lived with her for 6 or to 8 years some 10 and she started saying uh you know you guys aren't really a community you don't really share you don't really meet you don't really care and it got to this level of just you guys sort of anger. being everyone okay yeah everyone so um it became this matter of um kind of attacking us or taking action and these actions were always some like destruction or some like i just woke up one day and everything in the kitchen was covered in butter what every every faucet every drawer every the refrigerator covered in butter or cooking grease it was weird even the little burners on the stove uh were were had been dipped in grease which i didn't know if that's dangerous or not but yeah um, and i i lit one without noticing and it just it was only like that blue gas yeah. uh, blue fire uh so i quickly turned it off and it was this constant thing there was some like plants uh she didn't like in the bathroom she chucked one out the window from like a second story um furniture would disappear in the hallway um things would just break it, it one day i think she threw flour oh all God. the flour from the kid we had two kitchens right it was a big building and um and the message was like you guys aren't dealing with the reality that we're not okay and we don't communicate so i'm gonna i don't know who is we pu push you everybody but her uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of us collectively. But you know what? It became a thing. I mean, some of this is, I guess, private business, but none of my housemates like the Internet, so I can do this. Um, it was like, um, you know, we were getting older and, and one one guy in the building is going to marry his longtime boyfriend. We're very excited about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that this sort of reminded her that we're getting older and we're going to make some choices that may involve not living in the house. And she wants the people she's going to live with till she's old. Uh, and when she realizes she's not going to get it, she gets angry at us for uh, not being who, how old is who she, she wants us to be. She's probably mid thirties. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, what's weird is as I bring this up with people, at least here in Europe who live in communities or who have lived in communities, they all say similar, like after a bunch of years, one person starts getting upset because they, they see that we should be living some certain way and we're not living up to those standards. And so the result is a sort of anger. Like it's like an, a weird, is that passive aggressive? I don't know because it's not passive, right? It's, it's aggressive, aggressive um it's crazy so, I, it sounds yeah. honestly yeah and and now we come back I mean, to the butter whole, yeah butter oh oh and there was a dead pigeon put in a mailbox yes yeah, this is not anything <laughs> but crazy come on yes. i mean this is crazy shit this is stuff yeah. deborah's gonna use on her next podcast i've yeah i could see it now i'm gonna put a pigeon in your mm -hmm. mailbox honey mm. yeah that's crazy uh, so everybody yeah. left or what happened uh, everybody but one uh one person who simply didn't have any clue where to go and is sort of willing to close the door and and forget um and she's very busy she teaches yoga it's, it's uh you know my yoga teacher. what about our other mutual uh, friend did she leave i don't want you to have to edit anything so i don't want to make <laughs> uh she had already moved oh really? she had already moved yeah 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 oh, that's but, too bad uh, yeah well i guess she saw the writing on the wall she, um, last time i was there she seemed to like it uh. She had her days, but actually what happened was, you know, you put yourself on a public housing list here. And as you know, mm -hmm. some listeners will know this public housing is pretty good. And it's happened twice in the last few years, uh, despite our 
relative joy in the house, someone's name would come up on the list and they would get offered an apartment somewhere and they'd go, uh, okay, right. I'm going to go live alone now. And they would go. And uh, we were, some of us would be a little hurt, but we'd also kind of understand. I'm on that list, but unfortunately, I was dumb. I thought I didn't need such things years ago. So I only got on a few years ago. I've got, I've probably got six years ahead of me. If I had registered when I arrived in this country, I'd be in a, in a public housing, probably really nice apartment. But mm-hmm. instead, I'm, I'm renting in the posh neighborhood. Um, anyway, so, so it became, a, like, we all scattered. Uh, some people moved back to the country where they come from, which is not that far away, but it's far. And uh, uh, yeah, it was just whoever could find a place, found a place. And, and the house is completely different now. She recruited people who fit her, uh, her, her idea of what things should be. It's funny, I've been there to get mm. some mail I try not to go. And, uh, you know, it's so weird. Like these people are in your, your house, in your kitchen, in your room, and they look at you like, who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the one who ran this, pl- or not ran, but lived here for six years. Who are you? Do you know what you've gotten into? Mm. <laughs> um, but, and of course, like you have tremendous rights in this city to your house. So we could present just as you said, look, these are acts that are a little bit crazy. I think this person needs help, but definitely is, is a risk to the house. But you know, the, the, the people who own the building were like, yeah, but legally, unless you want to go to court, we can't do anything. And, and none of us wanted to really go to court. Mm. Um, and nobody got time for that. And, uh, that's it. That's it. So we, it's, it's amazing. You know, uh, that's how you inherit a house. Uh, but I'm so glad to be done with it. It was hard to sleep and, uh, it was a constant worry. Jesus. I'd rather worry about money, <laughs> which is now kind of what I can do in the near future. But, uh, that's awful I, that somebody can be that tyrannical, you know? Yeah. And, and not oh, even yeah. be self-aware to the, you know, to the point that they put butter on everything and not realize that that's <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah. Jesus. Oh no, and 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 of course it's always, you know, this is where it's always what you see. You see through your eyes, your value system. So you've just heard my version of the story, right? Yeah. And if you if you were to speak to her, she would say, "Are you kidding? Everybody has been so terrible and they're treating me terribly and, and this is a problem." And if I said to her person who puts the science about <laughs> sitting down to pee in the bathrooms, yeah. if I yeah. said person, what could they have done to possibly justify your smearing butter on everything, including the burners on the kitchen? <laughs> what What is it? Um, what would she say? What What could uh, What could possibly have justified your smearing butter on the entire kitchen? She She would say it was it was at a breaking point. Something had to happen because it was just too much. It was it was. Uh, ruining her health she was getting sick a lot and she was couldn't sleep so she was already suffering and she just wanted us to also feel what she was feeling i think okay but don't you see that that i'm we're still role-playing but don't okay but you're worried about your health wouldn't you be worried about your health if the place burned down because you greased the stove I I would never let it go that far. <laughs> How would you? Mark was in the kitchen and he almost did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, were exactly. you watching on a camera and you were gonna like you had a, a, a water pistol loaded or something? You're gonna put it out? No, no. Maybe this is that... your problem, you stupid bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. And there are people who are really traumatized. I mean, still, if you bring Jesus. up the house, a lot of the old housemates don't want to talk about it. And I have to get mail for them because they don't want to set foot in the building and it's a really big Jesus uh, wound. Christ. And, and two, the How one do you want to like punch her in the face? Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I listen, I think I don't really believe in karma, but at the same time, if karma is real, 
she's already in a world of shit. She probably has to have some kind. Although I don't know, some Karma's people have zero bullshit. conscious. Karma doesn't work. But listen, you don't think uh, there are some days where she goes, "Oh shit, I did, I did that." Well, that's yeah, maybe I don't know. But you know what? I I think the only thing that I would have done if it were me, and of course hindsight is you know twenty twenty or whatever, mm-hmm. but. You, the only way I could have, I see you could have gotten out, gotten out of this is like bringing a filmmaker or a TV producer in to document it. Somebody like Michael Schupp and just have a TV show come in. Look what this crazy bitch is doing and put it on TV. <laughs> yeah. She would be done. Yeah, that's true. You know. Actually, the, the company asked us for evidence if we could capture her doing these things, which we were unable to um, uh, to do. We had, we had photos of the damage, but we didn't have her doing it. Yeah. You really... You know, I could have helped you with that. I, I could have put I cameras in. I mean, there's, there's a lesson so here. Ways. Ask for help. Ask for help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could have documented this to the point of it not only being documented, it could have been the next big brother, but you missed I it. T- you, you may be right. I've Crazy always wanted to fucking get bitch. You yeah. can call Reagan it Pee Sitting Down. Over. <laughs> That's what I'd call the show Pee Sitting Down or else. I don't know. I, th- I wanted to confiscate one of those signs. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know if I managed. Um, well, you still but, could. Yeah, true, true. Um, oh, I had something. I was going to say something, and then it's gone. It's just gone, just like that. Oh. P sitting down, Michael Scott. He got a third season for his show, which is great. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really great show. So, And we still talk to him about getting it subtitled in English, um, and he still says he really wants to, but uh, delay, delay. Um, but that wasn't what I was going to tell you Last about. Last time I was there, he was still producing the first season. It hadn't even gone air, on air yet. That was... I guess 2012. Yeah. Oh my god, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but what was it? What was it? Oh, let me take a second here. Um, it was about the whole filming, the documenting, the next Big Brother. Yeah. Ah, oh, never mind. I don't know. <laughs> it sucked. I think a lot of it was we couldn't believe. Oh yeah, here's here's a big jump. Uh-huh. It was moments like that in the house dealing with what was going on where I realized at least how I see things like these examples in history and in the present where, um, someone who's never mind crazy, never mind crazy. Crazy is part of it, but brave enough to do something, to do something bold, to do something violent comes along. Right. Mm -hmm. And who's around them. People who generally don't want to do anything like that, who don't believe in doing stuff like that, who are rational who believe there's got to be some way to get through this. And I watched as this group of very intelligent, talented, uh, I mean, people who could really get a lot done in regular life, who are, but they're not assholes, right? They're not violent. They're not physical. They're not confrontational. Mm-hmm. And I watched as we, because I'm part of that group, had no answer. You know, act after act, our answers were like, okay, we need to get someone to intervene, like Mm -hmm. to have a talk. We need to recommend that the person get help and then they can come back. And I just realized how like, no matter how advanced we get in this world, we keep coming back to this basic fact that if someone is crazy enough, and never mind leaders of countries, right? The, The guy or girl who shoots everyone on a train or on a you know, on, on the street, if someone is crazy enough to want to and, and, and physically do get the gun or get the whatever and take lives or harm people, it, it's so powerful because everybody else would never do such a thing and doesn't, it's very difficult to know how to respond to that. Yeah. Um, 
And I always had, I had that feeling in Afghanistan. I looked around and I thought, these are really kind and giving people. And if you come along with a big gun and just say like, here's what's going to happen, everyone will just kind of go, oh, well, oh, okay. I mean, right. no, but yes. And it's just, it's amazing how no matter what happens in life, we, we still come back to this reality. If, you, if someone is crazy enough, everyone else can't stop them or, or is unlikely to stop them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that plays into like the whole evolution thing. It's, there's got to be like a reason, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. what evolutionary purpose does that serve for the crazy people to like, you know, win? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I mean, it just it doesn't. It's not evolution. It comes back to that old aggress aggression wins, or what is it? Survival of the fittest. Sort of, not fittest, but clearly she wasn't fit, like in your nutty, <laughs> nutty case yeah. situation. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really had one of those moments where it's like, oh, all this like education, all this deep thinking, it's all very nice. But when it comes down to it, you lose. <laughs> you know, uh, when push comes to shove, you lose because somehow, you know, that's why America wants to always have this strongest military in the world. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you know somewhere along the way, these these like generals. I don't know how they got enlightened enough to realize like, oh yeah, in the end, it's just violence that wins. Absolutely. So let's have, let's have the best violence well, in the country. I mean, world. America wouldn't be the country it is in terms of wealth if we did not do that. You know, right. that's why, you know, that's why it's like when people say, you know, we should get out of all countries, we should reduce the military and all that. You know, which I agree with. I don't think they understand. Well, you're going to give up the American way of life. You do realize that. Yeah. You're going to give it up because it will change entirely because then we will probably become some sort of a second world or third world country while another country will take over what we're doing, Russia or China. You know, so yeah. it's not that simple. I mean, ugh, my politics yeah. have changed so much in the past God, 10 years, too. Interesting, yeah. I mean, me too, for sure, for sure. And I don't even always have a gauge on, on where it's at. I just notice yeah. when I respond to some situations. Yeah. I. By the way, so I did get, get to go to China uh, mm -hmm. in, in last year, end of last year. And I really... You haven't gone, have you? No. Yeah, you you gotta go. I think you should go. I, 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 I mean, I know people always say this about everywhere, but you would really... Um, Why? I think because you're... <laughs> If, I think you're interested in this whole topic of like where is the world going and mm -hmm. what's coming and 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 why and when we talk about like you know controlling the world or shaping the world, you go to China and of course in the day to day you may not see it, but after like a week or, or a couple, you you start to see like, hey, this is this is the new center of the world, or at least it feels like it it, it is becoming the center of the world and. And um, it's amazing to watch. It's it's kind of scary. It's um, I don't what know. Gives you I, that I, feeling. I mean, what, what about it? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. If I'm gonna say stuff like that, I gotta qualify. Um, um, one is a simpler one, right? I was there with so-called business students, believe it or not. I teach the social stuff, sociology. Mm -hmm. And um, you go to all these different businesses. We went to an investment bank. We went to uh, one of these firms that makes biofuels or biogas yeah. uh, to, 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 to power, which was really interesting. Filters water for all the beer and, and soda companies. And um, you start to realize like they, okay, they're busy in China, but 
a lot of these companies are foreign. Everybody wants to be there because they have so many, quote, potential customers, right? Um, and not only that, the Chinese government, if they want to do something, they do it. Nothing stands in their way. Mm -hmm. um, money is not an issue. Politics are not an issue. Uh, with some exceptions, because people are now kind of complaining about the air. So air becomes a thing because the Chinese government doesn't want to have a all-out revolt. So if you poison them enough, they may actually revolt if they're not dead. Mm. Um, but so you start to see like, yeah, the U.S. does whatever it wants and, and has for a while in the world. But China is is just as you know, busy doing things all over the world. They're just not using the gun much. You know, money is their weapon. Um, and when, you, when you're in China, you get these moments, especially like Shanghai. I mean, that's the only place I've seen, really. So let me, let me come mm -hmm. back down to earth. Um, but you get the feeling like everybody wants to have their hand there because it's so powerful. It's so beneficial. And so all these international companies, all these people... And, and then the place itself is involved everywhere in the world. I was on the plane and we had made a connection in Dubai, mm -hmm. uh, which is great because all these people arrive from everywhere to go over to China and they're all involved in construction, um, uh, any kind of manufacturing. And they're all going to China to go buy machines, look at machines. Some of them aren't even going to buy anything. They're just going to conferences. They're being sort of wooed. Um, and you get this feeling like, wow, it's not just powerful in China. It's powerful all over the world. And people are coming here to, to you know, benefit or, or try to get involved. So, I mean, I'm talking here a lot about money, but you really get this feeling in China like, this is this is New York. You know, this is... <laughs> what about the United government? States. What about the fact that it's communist and that it's, you know, that's, I guess, what? Is it fascist? Is yeah. it totalitarian? No. I don't know. What do you call it? Is there any? Yeah. Did people even it's, notice? I mean, is that not even relevant? Uh, I think it becomes relevant at different times in your life, but in your daily life, no. <laughs> now, this is where I need to, of course, I need to explore more. Shanghai is, is a big exception. There are lots of exceptional places in China, but um, in that day to day, like in that city, the government is not so much of an issue. Uh, I mean, a lot of people work for it, mm -hmm. um, but it's not, you don't feel like anyone's following you, even though there are CCTV cameras everywhere. Um, the police are present, but they, especially as a foreigner, you know, they, they're not talking to you. They, they sort of ignore you. Um, so you don't think so much about the whole political side, not to say, right. I, I guess I'm kind of glossing over it too easily, but I think people have come to the same conclusion that Americans have come to. You know, it's all one big network of connected people. Um, you can you can choose one or two if you'd like, but you're going to end up with a similar result. Um, so in the Chinese case, they accept it openly. <laughs> and uh, in the U.S. case, we still run campaigns and, and play a game. I'm not saying there's no democracy in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. I, I think there is, especially on the local level. But I think on the national level, it's it's less than some people. I think would want to acknowledge. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, you would have to learn Chinese. I got a long way to go. Right. <laughs> I, but I think you would, you would find China fascinating. I was surprised. I haven't been trying to get there for a long time, but now that I've been there, it's, I want to know more. Um, and, and you really do get the feeling like the, the focus of the world is shifting here. Not shifting. It's 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 been shifted. Yeah. And um, I visited like this. I mean, these are little examples, but this whole free trade zone. It was this huge, like the size of a, a New Jersey town. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 
coastal piece of land outside of Shanghai. And the Chinese government decided this is not regular China. This is a free trade zone. Hong Kong has something like this. Yeah. And any company can just show up and store their goods here. We don't we don't do any kind of tariffs. We don't we don't touch it unless it's drugs or pharmaceuticals. And um, they have a few other exceptions usually to do with health. Otherwise, yeah. you can you can bring your plastic whatevers and you can bring them into a warehouse here. Then you can decide if you want to import them into China. We'll we'll hit you. We'll hit you with some kind of import tax, or you can ship them out somewhere else in the area, right? So they want to make this like the place where companies set up because the taxes are almost non-existent and because they don't, you know, they have the choice to do business with China. And they're talking mm-hmm. about building houses there, so it's going to be China, but not China. It's yeah. really. Strange, and they've done it before, right? Hong Kong, they didn't do it, but it, it's Singapore grown that is way. like that too, I think, isn't it? I think there's a large element of this. I don't know how high the taxes are, but when you look at this, this is just a little experiment for them. It's huge. It involves tons of money, tons of people, um, and they just call it an experiment. You know, that's when you know your country is. Uh, but does this have to do with that? Um, what is that called? The tranny Japanese, trans Chinese, trans Asian yeah. pipeline? <laughs> what the hell is I, it? I don't know. I don't know, honestly. I don't really know the trans Asian pipeline story. No, I mean the trans Pacific trade partnership. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I, I Look, I know this. It's like they this whole want- freak, see, freak, everybody, <laughs> you know, all the conspiracy theorists. And, and this is not just conspiracy theorists because I also have found issues with it, but there's this whole like negotiation, like a NAFTA style negotiation thing that's going on between um, Asia and America, basically everyone. So that it's like more free, more free trade, basically having to do with uh, Asia and the United States as well. And it's all being negotiated behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, Pudong. I'm I'm looking it up, but I don't know, to be honest, Trans-Pacific partnership. Oh, tranny Pacifics. Yeah. Uh, that's that weird part, right? All these free trade agreements, after a while, we're all involved. So what, what's left? There, You know, there's supposed to be this EU-US one that's been coming for years. And everybody's really, well, anybody who actually knows about it, which are not many people, very afraid. It it's I the, I think it's an EU-US free trade agreement. And it hasn't been fully uh, agreed upon. Or at least last time I checked, because these things can happen, you don't even notice. Mm. Um so maybe not um, yeah. as many taxes for you for when you get shit from here and vice versa. I don't know. Well, potentially if I produce something, uh, I think it more mostly benefits, you know, this whole manufacturing and, and yeah, trade. I don't know if it manu- benefits the individual. Um, I'll tell you what is happening. And that's the talk among expats over here. There's so much more cooperation between us banks, us government and the Dutch uh, government and mm-hmm. Dutch banks. So all of a sudden, I got friends who were saying, uh, "I got a letter from the uh, the U.S. government via my bank saying, hey, we now are sharing with the United States that you have a bank account here.' What? And uh, yeah, they've got new power to at least know that you have a bank account. I don't know how much they can know about it. I don't know if they can know how much is in there, but they're reaching. They're mm-hmm. reaching further. And I know this is happening in Portugal too. It's it's EU. It's the whole EU. Um, uh. I mean, look, the world is becoming smaller and systems well, are finally... Well, there was that guy from the Swiss bank. They had a 60 Minutes about him last weekend. And this Ooh. guy basically was a Snowden type. And he took all the bank records from Switzerland and 
from Swiss banks and he just gave them away to show everyone who was hiding money in Switzerland and the US is you know using it to prosecute people. And the guy had no like high motive high minded motives. He just wanted to make money. He thought he could sell the data and it turns out he could didn't he wasn't able to sell it. He didn't make any money. Was was it when he leaked this stuff, was it years and years ago? I don't know how long ago. It wasn't yeah. it was probably a couple of years. I'm not sure. I remember when Wiki uh sorry, WikiLeaks, yeah. WikiLeaks was new. Mm-hmm. And one of the fir- before they were famous, it was a lot of Swiss bank information. I don't yeah, it may have been that. I, I don't remember what the time frame was. Yeah. Huh. So. Uh, as, speaking of leakage and uh a while back you um you were reposting old East Radios. Yeah. Um and uh you had reposted the the broke P, uh Peter Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was I just yeah. Right yeah, you were going through old shows. It was great. I, it was, and it was right about the same time when they they had gotten taken down again, and <laughs> and um, so yeah, I did post that again. It's unbelievable what that those people have gone through, you know. Yeah. And like, what no matter what you think of piracy or whatever you want to call it, sharing. I don't, you know, I don't even want to label it because that turns into some other bullshit conversation. But no matter what you think of it, you have to admire. What these people, I mean, these people have done, have committed truly heroic acts to being, to be willing to put themselves into prison for the sake of what they believe in. And you have to look at that. You have to consider that when you think Mm -hmm. about the issue. Everybody does. You can't just say, oh, it's stealing because these people have, you know, basically given up their lives and their freedom for it. You know, you have to, it forces you to question it and say, maybe. It's more than just a matter of stealing something that Sony created. Maybe there's more to it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they became, I mean, poster children. Not poster children. What do you call it? Like, they're being made examples of. It's, yeah. it's really mm-hmm. an exaggeration. Um, I, ju- I just spoke to Peter yesterday, mm-hmm. um, which is the first time since he's been in prison. And I'm, I'm very excited that we're talking again. Yeah. I did send him, send him like one postcard when he was in prison. Um but it's uh it's amazing what he's been through and uh I don't know I don't know he's he's very disappointed with everything um mm-hmm. and and also oddly enough you know it doesn't matter I guess but he's not a big fan of what Pirate Bay does now um you know because with, it's with making the commercials money off of the it? ads yeah yeah cuz I know when we talked with when I talked with him they weren't you know their big thing his big defense was that they only used the money to like defend themselves and stuff so. yeah I think he's been disappointed even with like like the crap whatever you know it's the typical internet ads whatever you can get yeah it's awful yeah. you know and um and anyway and he made a wonderful tool that is not catching on uh in the world which is flatter which a lot of people support this program with right um and uh I think it was a great idea which was this whole idea of supporting something you like on the internet without considering every time you click without thinking how much money am I going to give but more thinking of it as a monthly budget thing but it's just not. Um, so it didn't work out. Not. Move on. I didn't know that was him. I know Tim Pritlove was pushing, and I just thought it was some yeah. Berlin guys. I didn't. Uh, know that no, no, either. it's it's uh, the, uh, the it's Peter and and some friends in uh, in Sweden. It's very popular in Germany, uh, and indeed Tim has made it really work. Uh, mm. And and my German listeners probably listening right now. They they use it, which is wonderful. But where mm. you have this drop off is. It, it never became widely used. You know, imagine PayPal, if nobody in the U.S. started using PayPal. Well, it started in the U.S. anyway, but still, if nobody uses it, it's it's a bit of a problem. I've been meaning to, to stick that on my site for so long. I just haven't. Uh, you'll get love from Germany if you do. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and, and what I like, although PayPal has this option, and uh-huh. actually, I don't know. I don't know if I have this with you, but I I, I want to have this with East Radio, where you just say like, okay, donate six month subscription, twelve month subscription, um, and then uh, every month one you know one euro or whatever you want goes to the program. Um, you know, like magazine subscriptions in the old days. Yeah, I um, have those. I have subscriptions. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you announced like the different levels. They have wonderful names, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they. I mean, people are actually doing them now because I have this. Uh, Facebook group, the Golden Circle. I, I'm after. in the Golden Circle. I love it. I, yeah. I love it, except when there's pictures of, uh, I don't know, penises. I'm or sick of vaginas. that fucking shit too. To tell you the truth, yeah. I try to use Facebook filters, but I don't know uh, how well that's going. I know it gets ridiculous, and plus, the worst part is like a lot of them are just repeats of the same old fat people. But anyway, <laughs> I have gotten several members just because they wanted to be in that. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's a it's a good idea. It's an old idea, but I think it's a good idea. And actually, I'm I'm starting a new uh, Grum in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to start with a clean archive, a new name. I don't want people to make any mistakes or, or, or criticisms. No, no one really does, but they should. That uh, this isn't journalism. Fair enough, it's not. So I don't want to be stuck with the title of citizen journalist all the time. Um, so I'm move, going to a new title. I don't want to announce it yet, but I want to like emphasize this whole idea of not to say like you owe me something, but let's just agree that, you know, maybe a one time, you know, whatever, two euros or whatever, but, or a six month subscription for one euro a month, something basic, but consistent to help things survive. Right. Um, I, I think that that has to have a future. Like, I don't know. I know we've always kind of debated. These I mean, things. it works. It'll, it works. It's been the only successful way for me to make money has been donations. Everything else is just fucking bullshit. You know, I've had an yeah. ad here and there. It's a rip off all those fucking services, Google and all that shit. AdSense. <laughs> it's all fucking peanuts because they take like 90% of the money. You know, it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. YouTube yeah. is rape. Google is rape. It's all fucking rape. I yeah. made um, a total yeast radio grossed about $5,000 last year roast and i would say pretty much all of that was from donations oh okay great and i was gonna say that was not split yeah. th- pretty much three ways right so, unfortunately so, yeah it doesn't you include know. hosting you know charges and stuff <laughs> it's hardly a living <laughs> yeah yeah but then again i haven't been doing as many shows either so well it just means that we look forward to them more i do anyway mm. I, i'm you know i realize you're not going to do them all the time but when they come up i'm like great and, and when they're three hours long, you know, we'll see. I, I think of it in terms of how much I get, how much my time is worth and how much I get an hour. Because now I'm, you know, working as a programmer, I get a set fee an hour and I want to not be working. I'm not charity. You know, I'm not going to do podcast as charity anymore. I'm not going to be the joker that entertains for free because that's what entertainers do. I I just refuse to do that. Yeah. And so I think of it in terms of, how much money I can make. And, you know, and now the way we do it, I can make a decent hourly wage for it. It just means doing it once a month, but it's still, you know, yeah, it's, it's all right. I don't feel bad about it that way. Hmm. Yeah. Although, I'm glad, you know. I'm glad you're still doing it. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, it makes a difference in my life. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, that's or, just or scary. I don't shit. know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like doing it. I would love to go back to, I'm sure I'll do more shows once I have my studio. I mean, I haven't really had a studio since 2011. I mean, I have a makeshift studio. 
Yeah. But um, I finally bought a, a desk from Ikea because they're the only ones that have the kind of desks I like that can store shit the right way without okay. getting like a $5,000 music desk, you know? Yeah. In yeah. fact, Ikea has, this is totally like a tangent, but people like this good. shit. This is good. We can put an ad on the show. But <laughs> Ikea has a really fucking, shut up. Griselda's telling me she's cold. See, I, I don't, I still don't know how to shut off these fucking noises, but you won't hear it because you're not going to hear no. it on my no. end. Anyway. Um, so Ikea has this cra this incredibly awesome desk. And I think it's just at the end of its lifetime, but it, it, it's, you know how they do these like modular desks, like you buy the, the legs and you buy the tables and you put them together. Yeah. Well, they have a set of tables that has a electric control on it and you can rise, raise it oh. and lower it. Yeah. 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 Which one is this? I've, I've used one at an of office. Oh, okay. Ikea, of uh, rising table. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's great so cool. to get for also to get yourself like standing. <laughs> yeah, to stand and sit. But that standing thing is so annoying. I just couldn't, you know, that whole standing. I love the idea of being able to do it because of podcasting. But that whole stand working thing is such a pile of shit. Did you see that <laughs> that onion thing that came out last week? It's like new, you know, studies show the best thing, way to work is to stand and leave the office for the rest of the day. Or stand and, <laughs> no, stand up that. at your desk and then walk out. <laughs> Walk. I used to do standing desk to stay awake at work when I had yeah. an office job. It was the only way. I got uh. excited about working because I was standing there. Uh. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, I'll Yuck. look for that. I'll look for that. Um, I'm looking at one. There's, there's more than one now with this whole standing desk thing. I just find it annoying that it's a desk you have to plug in, but all right. But it's cool. I mean, I didn't buy it, Grant. I'm telling you, I bought the one called Freddy. It's really ugly. It's too. That's not it was, very Swedish. It's also right. half the price. F R E D D E. It's just it's ugly as fuck. It's black. It has a fucking cup holder, but it has, <laughs> but it has what I need because like I mount the mic like on one of those springy things, and yeah. so it has to be higher. I have to clamp it to something higher. And there's very few desks that have built-in shelves. You know, yeah. where you don't have to like, cause I'm not, I don't want to like hammer shit. So right. it's like, so it has a built in shelf and then it has these two things that stick out oh, wow. on the side to hold the speakers. Are you Googling it? I am. Yeah. So it's like, I can't believe we're getting this retarded, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like something I feel like we can discuss that's genuine yeah. without having to feel like we're talking about the end of the world. Maybe. I don't right. Know. Which was usually what we do, yeah. Yeah. I know, it's interesting, it's interesting, yeah. It's very menacing, like Darth Vader would use this desk. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm like him when I breathe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sleep mask. Maybe that's yeah. what I'll call it. I'll call it the Darth Vader desk. Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, something Death Star related. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, Richard, I, I, I wanted to catch up. I see that we've hit an hour. I don't know why that's somehow, uh, you know, everything collapses after an hour. Uh, in my own life, I have trouble having conversations more than an hour. Well, you should come visit. I know, place, and and listen, I never successfully visited you in Chicago. This uh, is I true. Admit it. <laughs> you never I, did. Look, part of the reason is just the the crazy cost of flights in the in, in inside the U.S. It's amazing. People always um, get surprised by surprised by Chicago, though, because it's such a fantastic city, and it is my favorite city in the U.S. It still is, and. Yeah. You know, one of my favorites, probably my favorite city in the world, actually, that I've seen. But it's so underrated, and the reason is because people from Chicago don't sit around talking about how great it is. And there's nothing here, you know. Yeah, we don't have yeah. anything great. We don't have celebrities. We don't have, you, you have know. Oprah. Wait a minute. We, she left. 
We don't oh. even have her. We just what? have a, we have really nice art. We have really nice architecture. Plenty of space to walk around. <gasps> restaurants and people. I mean, but it's nothing to brag about. You can't. There's it doesn't have very good bragging rights. But when people come here, they're like, well, I mean, like ask yeah. the slurries. They've been here several times. And they love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and by the way, okay, um, documentary recommendation. Maybe you saw it. Mm-hmm. Life Itself, the Roger Ebert story. No, I didn't, but I heard Terry Gross's interview with her, his uh, wife Ooh. about it, with the director, and Ooh, that like made me want to see it. It's, look, I never, I honestly never cared about Roger Ebert. And I, and yeah. I feel horrible now because I watched that documentary. I love the man. I mean, even when you hate the man, you love the man. Oh, I lo- um, I've always loved him, but yeah. And what an amazing, uh, it's such a good documentary. Yeah. I, I cried, <laughs> you know, and it felt good. Um, but it's yeah. just great. And now I read his site, even though, I mean, I wish it was him writing, obviously, but mm-hmm. I'm still taken by the people that are writing on there, that they knew him, that they were close to him, uh, that his wife writes. Uh, I, I feel really late to the whole thing, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like happy going through old posts of his. No problem. You know, it's great pleasure. It's a really good documentary. Yeah. I want to see it. I'm a little scared yeah. cause I know they show some graphic stuff, but. Okay. Yeah, no, like the whole, his face is very, at first and sometimes later, it's very hard to watch. But mm-hmm. I mean, look, you've uh, you've worked in hospitals, you've seen some terrible scenes. No, and, I work with Cheryl. Yeah, exactly. So this mm-hmm. is a walk in the park, really. And um, mm-hmm. and like a lot of disabilities, and, and th- you, you come to kind of see him smiling or well, not, not happy. I've seen his face before. That's not what scares me. It's just, I know that they show like the procedure of getting the gook out of his lungs. That's what yeah. I Yeah. No, that's not that bad. That's okay. not that bad, but it's, yeah, it's I, a great documentary. That when I it's was great. traveling, you know, cause I drove to Florida, uh, all the way, you know, and I, I listened to, well, first I listened to serial, which I think is overrated beyond, <laughs> I beyond gave up three. Over, what? <laughs> I gave up at episode three. I was like, enough. Oh, good. I'm glad you feel the same way. Because it's like, it's the most overrated thing. I'm not the most overrated, but it's overrated. Anyway, so after I listened to that twice, because I hated so much, I'll hear it twice. I hate, hate listen. I, uh, and that was before it was finished. So were there only like six episodes twice. So anyway, but then I listened to like every single uh, Terry Gross interview from the past, well, as long as I could listen, which, you know, she puts out a lot of shows, but, it, you know, she does such great interviews. And like everybody she interviews, I'm like, oh, I want that book. I want to watch that show. I have to, oh, you know, God. it's just yeah. amazing. It's, it's, Do you listen to her? I don't, but I know oh. the voice very well. So maybe, maybe it's time. Well, uh, when you, when you, yeah, I mean, her interviews are just fantastic. She's, she's a, she's, Probably the best interviewer I can think of. I, I don't Ooh. really. Ooh. I mean, that's. I never thought about that. Who's yeah. the best interviewer? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think Barbara Walters is really good, but she only interviews pieces of shit. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, loved Craig Ferguson. I know it's not the same thing. Yeah, but I don't know him. I mean, I know he retired. He was the late, late show host, but they, they he stopped, yeah. which I also respect a lot. He was like, you know what? I did this ten years. I'm retiring. But his. His late night show was actually like a great kept secret. It was hilarious. Yeah. It's, oh. he, he really, as they say, deconstructed the genre. Well, and Howard Stern was, is a great interviewer too, but in a different way because he, he rips people down to get at them. But Terry mm. Gross, he, you know, she doesn't. Well, in a way she does. Like some of the questions she asked, like um, 
Roger Ebert's wife, I forget her name, were really like, you know, tough questions, but they're just, mm -hmm. she phrases them in a compassionate way, but she doesn't mm -hmm. make, she does not let people off easy by any means. She had the, the director of Selma on, um, just oh, yeah. everyone. And, and one thing I love too about NPR from her show is I always find out what shows to watch. Like, because they do their year-end summaries, and they'll tell you what shows were the best, the top okay. 10, and it, it's always, that's how I started watching episodes, and that's yeah. a great show. <laughs> oh my yes, God. I know that show. <laughs> I love it. I only love I, it because of Myra's faces, but I love it. Yes, yes. I, I knew exactly when you yeah. started to talk about her the other day yeah. on some show, I, I I knew exactly before you even got into details who uh, you would love. <laughs> I'm in the, I downloaded oh. I downloaded all of the epi episodes of episodes, and I'm in the process, I've actually started it, of just compiling all of her mm's. <laughs> Like she, she is like, to me, she's like the next Sylvia Brown. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's like, so like the whole show is just like, all I care about is her. Like, I just like, she'll be like this little spot, you know, making faces. That's all yeah. I can see. <laughs> I think you should build up not to, not to get ahead of ourselves, uh -huh. but you should build up to eventually having her on the show, but first create this like following. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, she's, she's, yeah, I, I'm on, I'm on the same page with you on that for sure. <laughs> Because one of your greatest interviews is still, what was it? Sylvia Brown's son's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> really? Was that one of my greatest? I didn't know. Hey, yes, that was a great one. Um, uh, actually, I was telling, so I was introducing someone to your show the other day. It doesn't happen that often. Um, oh. And it's, you really have to sit down with someone. And I was going back to like the, um, was it a dominatrix in the sex club oh, in, in Berlin? Dominique, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I went back to that one. Um, I, you know, I just reposted, a, 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 just like two weeks ago, I reposted an excerpt of that because it was so appropriate because she talked about why Americans use guns. And I put a, a, a like a two-minute excerpt of it on, on YouTube of that same interview. <laughs> yeah, I did that one. I, the, a broke P was one of them. Yeah. Um, uh, and a couple of times, well, I wanted to have you and Michael Schkapp on, on, on the same program and, and that happened a bunch of times. So I went looking for those cause I love those. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we gotta, we gotta get those going again, but yeah, um, nobody ever introduces people to East radio by saying here, listen to Madge talk about absolutely nothing while she's cleaning her room, <laughs> which is Actually, like 95% of the shows. I went to, I went looking for kitchen bitch. Uh, which is a famous title in, in history, I think. And right. I think I managed to find at least some version of Kitchen Bitch where you were cleaning. You're well, that's, cleaning. and that's what's good is because since I will have a, a whole apartment again, I'm going to have to clean it, which means <laughs> there's going to be a lot of bitching. There's ducks where I live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's going to be ducks and um, cleaning and toilets and a whole new set of problems <laughs> of South Florida that God knows what. Yeah. I'm sure there's a whole uh, sweaty, you know, vaginas of, and humidity. A lot of high, high fives at Starbucks. It's going to be a whole thing. Oh, this high five at Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's awful. I thought that was because I watched the Super Bowl because I'm trying to still, you know, mm -hmm. remain somehow connected to this American culture. And I watched the Super Bowl over here and um, I saw that ad for McDonald's where um, you don't know about this, do you? Because no. you're, you're wise like that. Um, I don't know if they're really doing this, but in the advertisement, they're saying you can now pay with acts of kindness or spontaneity. So the cashier at McDonald's looks at the couple ordering whatever and goes, give him a kiss. 
And if and then the meal's on me or the meal's on what? us. So the two people kiss or give him a hug or stand up and sing a song and the meal's on us. And I think like I could just picture some marketing executive going like make people pay with acts of kindness and performance. That's a and great, spontaneous. It's a great way to get cashiers shot is what it is. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. this girl, I'll just tell the story because you made reference to it, but just as we were talk, talking on uh, Facebook Messenger right before uh, this interview, uh, I was at Starbucks down the street, and it's in right near Lane Tech, which is a huge, you know, high school for smart kids or something. And so there, there's so always at the same time, these, these you know, hordes of kids come in, and and they sit down, and they, you know, act like teenagers, and you know, and I always think of Syria, like, which one is going to kill, you know, which is Adnan, which is the <laughs> annoying lesbian that smokes too much pot, you know? Uh, but anyway, that's not relevant. But so, <laughs> so one of them from the next table comes up and I'm sitting at a group of teenage girls and I'm the only one studying. And this girl comes up to me. She goes, will you give me a high five? And I go, why? She goes, I don't know. I said, no. And then the girl next to me said, she did the same thing. Would you give me a high five? She's like, sure. Did they do it? Okay. And um, I felt embarrassed, but very, very vindicated at the same time. <laughs> but I wanted them to ask why, and they just wouldn't. It's like, uh, there's nothing more wrong in my world. Well, there's some things, murder, <laughs> than asking a stranger to high five for no reason. I mean, <laughs> high fiving is wrong. But high-fiving <laughs> for no reason is longer. Yeah. Well, at least you don't have a friend. I mean, those have kind of gone, the, the trend has passed. But every time they say something funny or, I don't know, clever, they high-five you. I actively refuse. I do not <laughs> refuse. Even children, well, that was a child. I do not high-five. Even my nephew, who's like, high-five. Like, no. Yeah. We can negotiate the fist bump thing, but I will absolutely <laughs> not high five. I am traumatized by it. It's like, you know, asking, you know, some victim of rape to get raped again <laughs> all right <laughs> well this is for as a greeting and as a goodbye i'm all right with any of this uh well you're a heterosexual male who plays frisbee i mean of course you are the, uh, that's exactly what i was thinking about <laughs> not so much the heterosexual side but the frisbee side exactly yeah. well that's true because uh, it's not a gay or straight thing no we're, we're slapping all be. kinds of fives yeah <laughs> all right all right so i'm gonna end this here just in case people can't handle what is over an hour yeah um but uh, it's really good to talk to you it's been a while yeah you and, too and when are you I'm gonna excited. post this uh let's see i got a dinner thingy probably tonight anyway oh, that's uh good. tonight or tomorrow morning yeah yeah and yeah. um we will yeah we'll talk again hopefully in person one of these days if my if my family keeps hanging out in florida then then i really the odds are even greater that i'll see you but yeah, but it's just there. that much easier like uh amsterdam to miami it's uh it's it's very doable so yeah it is and i know like yeah. like i said iberia that has direct or iberia has Ooh. straight flights somewhere i think it might be just spain but yeah, I'm sure KLM because they all want to go to South America, so they have the that oh, jump. That's right. You know, I used to fly when I used to go there a few years back. I used to take Martin Air. Is that still around? Because oh, they used to have I, direct flights. I think they got. Let's look that. I think they got acquired by um, KLM, but because it's like this tradition, yeah. Martin Air has been around so long, they keep it going. Oh my god! Remember that shit? That is such a shitty airline. Remember that one time? I think I told you they. The plane was delayed, and they put up uh, put us up in an Indian and like you brought casino. Me, you brought me a robe, which I still have and use. Did I? I don't even remember that. 
<clears throat> yeah. Oh, memory sucks. <laughs> the great part is, right, you got checked into a room and it wasn't under your name. So, you know. What was the robe? Something it didn't have something to do with the Musco- Ashcroft or something. Oh. Not Ashcroft. Uh, it, it has during- a name like Muskogee, Oki from Muskogee, Mississuki. Yeah, the tribe. Yeah, because they yeah. put us up at a Indian reservation because one of the parliament members from from oh. Holland was on the plane and she made a big deal about it. It was bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, wow. Martin Eyre. Hey, since 2008, uh, Martin Eyre is a, uh, uh, a member of the KLM group. Oh. And uh, yeah, they do. They still do stuff. I remember them as the, the company that goes from Amsterdam to Cuba, which was always mm-hmm. very attractive. And now as long as they don't have Asia in their name, it should be safe to fly. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> yes. All right. Somebody All right. Richard. Investigate that. Okay. Yeah, but, I don't I, I, I don't even know. That's such so weird. So mm-hmm. odd planes. I spend a lot of time reading about them, but I don't know why these things happen um i will talk to you soon let me hit stop on the recorder and uh bye to the audience say bye bye audience thank you for listening yeastradio.com is my website that's right people like when we do programs together so that helps because we also enjoy it yeah yeah glad you made it happen because i certainly would have wouldn't have anytime soon
enough You won't make your mind up for 